everyone. Welcome to the Work Friend Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're pausing to remember and reflect. Remember the key people and events in the good and hard seasons of life, and reflect on God's goodness, provision, and grace. We'll hear from older friends, even some that are no longer living, about God's unchanging nature through it all. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Isaac Wall, a friend who has an incredible story, uh, just a great love for God and has transferred his life through the good and hard seasons. It's an amazing combo. We know you'll enjoy it. So drive your tractor, hit up Dairy Queen, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Episode. <laughs> wow. <laughs> enjoy. Thank you so much for your goodness and the joy that you give us. We love you. Amen. Amen. Isaac, I feel like this has been a long time coming. So welcome officially to the Work Friends podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it is good to be here. It is good to be here. You're like an early adopter of the podcast. Like I remember you telling us you had listened and Mm. I was like, like back with like our, our first season, which was three episodes long. Was it? (laughs) Yeah. I think you started talking about it at a drop and we're like, what? (laughs) We're like, we've made it. It was great. I really feel like I was a, maybe like an early number one fan. Remember used to like when we would do drop in and then after drop in, we would like just, it just happened every week. We (laughs) just would talk about weekly debrief of the podcast. (laughs) Oh, it was amazing. Oh, I miss those times. It was good. Oh, well, welcome. I think technically, I think we all started off as work friends because you volunteered at our drop-in center mm-hmm. and I would still, I think we would consider you a real friend now and you're on the podcast. So officially work and real friend. So work and real friend official. Okay. That's only happened now in this moment. Never before. Yeah. Okay. No. yeah. yeah. Over yeah. how many years we've known each other. Absolutely. <laughs> well, be welcome. Podcast. Yes. Thank um, you. we are going to, as you know, we're going to start off with some fun facts. So mm. he's been waiting to answer these. Like two years. <laughs> yeah, the time is Yeah, come. but you guys keep changing them up, I feel like. I'm ready. You're ready. Let's okay. do this. Where did you grow up? Oh. That, that, that <laughs> didn't actually super shock me. <laughs> um, I, I was like ready for craziness. Oh, um, it's coming. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. I grew up uh, a few different places. My earliest memories, I would say, we were living in Millbank. Um, and then we moved around a little bit when I was a kid. Um, but we were always within like, I would say 45 minutes of Listowel. So this oh. kind of general area. Nice. Mm-hmm. What's your ideal day? My ideal day. I, um, I'm not an early riser, but I would say weirdly, my ideal day would involve rising early because I don't, huh. I, yeah, <laughs> right. I don't like to feel like I wasted a day. So I would say like waking up early ish like within reason, like seven maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Early enough. There's guys out here who are like, I wake up at four 30 for work. Not this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. So like wake up around then go to like a little diner, have some breakfast, either alone or with some friends. I, I kind of gotten a little bit used to doing the whole dining alone thing. I don't hate it, especially breakfast. Breakfast mm. is a pretty easy one to mm. go on. Mm. You have alone. to talk. Yeah. 
like, I, I remember the first time I went and dined alone, I was like all nervous about it. And I brought a book and I was a bit annoyed by the time I was out of there because I couldn't read my book. As the service is so fast when you eat by yourself. Ah. I don't know if they feel bad for you and are like, I got to get this guy out of here. <laughs> don't know. But yeah, anyways, back to the question. So yeah, nice breakfast at a diner, maybe with some friends, maybe alone. a round of golf would be great mm. in the morning. Uh, go home, have a nap because I got up super early. <laughs> so get a nap in. Um, yeah, after that, nice dinner. Maybe a campfire with some friends hanging out. Maybe hang out with my nieces for a little bit. That'd be mm. the ideal day. Nothing too crazy. Nothing uh-huh. too. Uh, yeah, I can enjoy the little moments pretty easily now. So it wouldn't have to be anything extravagant. I think that's a true gift, though. When your ideal day is not some like extravagant, like I want to go to Fiji, and mm. blah blah blah, whatever. Like when your ideal day involves things that you already do. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh. Okay. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Hmm. Okay. Do they have to all be together? Can we actually no? Can we just make it that it isn't like yeah, all together? For sure. That'd be a weird room. Take liberty. Like. Yeah. Okay. So these are separate dinners. Weirdly enough, I think I think one of them, the one that kind of always comes to mind when I think about this question, would be my ex-wife. Hmm. Um, yeah, I just feel like there hasn't been a time where we've been able to just connect, um, and chat mm-hmm. about a lot of things. So I would say that that would be one of the people that would be nice just to have dinner with no pressure, just spend a bit, little bit of time together. I think mm-hmm. cool. Um, another person I would say would be like Winston Churchill. I, I, I'm really interested in like politics and, like wartime leaders would say really, really interest me. And so Winston Churchill would be just unbelievable to even just sit and watch, like watch Mm -hmm. how he works. Like some of the things, like some of his quotes and the decisions that he made are horrifying to have to put yourself in that situation and hilarious at the same time, like the way that he dealt with some things. Um, So he would be super interesting person. And then, huh, third person, Uh, maybe Denzel Washington. Hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah. I mean, I know that he isn't his characters Mm -hmm. that he plays, but there's stories that you hear about how Denzel Washington lives his life and the leader that he is in his community. Uh, Yeah. I think it would be really cool. I think I could learn a lot from him. Hmm. If you had to have a Denzel Washington character come to dinner, what would it be? Oh, wow. Good question. That is a great question. I would say, Oh man, which movie is it? There's two of them. I think Equalizer. Because there's two Equalizer movies. Yeah. The first Equalizer movie where he is like, he works in like a, a, like a, like a Home Depot kind of a store, like a lumber store. And he has like a crazy past, but no one knows about it. And like every night he goes to like this tiny little diner and drinks his tea and reads a book. And he starts to have a conversation with, um, with a girl who's living on the streets maybe and, and working in the sex trade. Uh, and that's a super interesting relationship that kind of comes of that. And anyways, yeah, he seems a super interesting character because mm. there's so many different things about him, right? Like he's funny when he's at his job and he's really deep and intentional with this, with this girl that he gets to know. And he's like a crazy maniac. 
like human <laughs> weapon when it comes to protecting himself as people that he cares about. So, mm. yeah, I don't know his name in the movie, but that guy. Him. Gotcha. Yeah. Sweet. Oh, unreal. Really At cool. a diner with breakfast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he would like drink. If anyone's seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He would like drink his tea. Like he shows up and he like takes a tea bag out of his pocket that he has wrapped in like a paper towel and he like very strategically unfolds it oh. and then like puts it in his cup of it's hot water precise. that they bring him. Man, even just that, I'd be like, this guy's so intense. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be able to talk. <laughs> I just watch him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Where is the best place you've been to? Mm. I haven't been that many places. I've basically just been around Ontario. We did a few trips into the States when we were kids um, to some theme parks and stuff, which was awesome, but not that crazy. And then I've gone to Mexico for, yeah, like going to resorts and also um, going to like where my parents grew up. So I don't know, coolest place I've been to. Yeah, I don't know, probably Mexico, like the whole experience. Like I've kind of got to experience like the Americanized like resort mm. life, but mm-hmm. then also like inland, like the old colony, like where my people kind of came from mm-hmm. in the last few generations. So that whole experience, I would say wrapped up in one would be the coolest place I've been to. Mm. Is that, how is that like being kind of, again, I've never been to Mexico, so I've never experienced any of it is that strange having like the glorified or just like when you think of a resort and you think of mexico like mm. beaches a lot of food drinks whatever like how is it yeah those two kind of different worlds all wrapped up in one country mm. it is interesting now i think i have a bit of a different perspective on it because as a kid i went to like i knew inland mexico before i new like the beach Mm. resort Mm -hmm. life so I think I have maybe a little bit of a different perspective on it but it is it is interesting like as you're driving or you're like you're riding the bus from or the shuttle van or whatever from the airport to the resort you're going along that highway along the coast and there's like little huts along the road and 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 you can pretty clearly see that there's some poverty there um and then you go to like these military you go through like military checkpoints along the way like they have these speed bumps and like military comes like I remember we stopped at the one place and, uh, like we were, we were pulled over in the checkpoint, like our shuttle van and the driver was like, Oh guys, don't worry. Don't worry. And they opened up like the side door, like the sliding door. And there was a soldier there and like literally his gun came in first and then he stuck his head in cause his gun was so massive. Um, and I think for a lot of people that was super terrifying, but for me, I was like, yeah, I kind of know of this part of Mexico, so right. I'm okay with this. So mm-hmm. it, it is interesting. It's a bit of a clash, but, uh, that doesn't mm-hmm. stop me from enjoying Mm-hmm. the resort life mm-hmm. oh, man. <laughs> yeah. um okay if you had a parallel life your life that you have now complete um what would you want it to look like mm. okay it'd have to be something crazy like i'd want to <clears throat> be like an f1 driver or like like golf professionally what a crazy lifestyle. <laughs> or something. What, the F1 thing or the golf thing? <laughs> I'm just being dumb. Whatever. Golfers make crazy money. That's true. That's true. Crazy money. Maybe less crazy. Yeah. Work. Yeah. I don't know. I think Tiger Woods lived a pretty crazy life. Maybe a little too crazy. 
I'm not saying I want that life. Just to be clear. <laughs> okay. I'm not a big dreamer. I actually talked, I talked about that with somebody a few weeks ago. She asked me what, like, a dream of mine would be. And I'm like, I don't know. Normal life. <laughs> not a crazy huge dreamer. But thank you for pointing that out again, Ainsley. Hey, appreciate that. We, remember when we talked about celebrating ordinary things in our normal life and how beautiful that mm. is? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, aside from those fun facts, tell us about yourself and what life looks like for you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say I'm a pretty normal guy, which I mean, shout out to the normal people out there. We finally made it. Shout out to you. <laughs> oh, we made it. We're on a podcast. The crazy people who have been on this podcast, like I think about like Helen Bacon stories of being like, oh my almost, gosh. like crashing a plane and her hospital being shot up and oh man and like judy what's her last name judy oh wow what a story read that book away um anyways yeah back to the thing i'm a normal person i would say just a normal guy so i work i work full-time i work at an agricultural equipment dealership um so sell tractors and all sorts of farm equipment and i kind of work in that um industry and that's been good um yeah i'm 28 years old I have five siblings. Uh, I grew up Mennonite, like old colony Mennonite. Also Mexican Mennonite is a thing that people say. I don't know how I totally feel about that, but Hmm. it is a thing they say. Uh Um, Yeah, I enjoy sports. I enjoy golf, as we've talked about. (laughs) I'm not that good, but I do enjoy it. Yeah, I I can get pretty much into anything. Like if you put something in front of me, I will watch it and enjoy it and get into it mm-hmm. too much. Okay, my I, next question. Have you seen Top Gun Maverick? No, but I haven't seen the first one either, which I need to do. No, you don't. No, Just you go don't. see it. I haven't. We haven't. Ainsley and I saw it last week. Mm. It's Jen's new obsession. I may or may really? not be seeing it again with another friend. <laughs> really? Huh. So good. They use no green screens. Okay. They like talk about behind the scenes and the training that the actors need to, it's just so good. The storyline, amazing. Um, but yeah, that's one that you should watch. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I will. Now, I mean, I was talking to someone else about it and they were like, I think you maybe would enjoy it more if you watch the first one. And so they mm-hmm. have it. So they're going to bring it into me and I'm going to yeah. watch it. So I got a, I got yeah. a plan. I could see that. I got a plan. I just got to get it done before it's out of the theaters. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my only deep question for today. <laughs> Have you seen the new Top Gun movie? <laughs> she's actually, okay, we'll move on to actual questions, but I just have to say now that she's talked about it already and just her obsession is that, like, she came the next day and was talking to us all about it, so I knew she had been researching it. But then the day after that, we were driving in the car, she's like, is it okay if I play the Top Gun playlist? No. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. There's there nothing isn't. wrong. I think it's so, I love it. Like, I, it brings joy. I just I think, think it's great. I think when there's a movie that I really like, like I don't watch that many, like very many movies at all. I like knowing the behind the scenes information. You know what I mean? I like, I like investigating like who the actors are, the interviews, like post what was like filming all the, like, mm. I just find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would yeah. agree with you there. And I think that that applies to a lot of things in life. Like mm-hmm. the more, you know about it, the more you can appreciate True. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there's just a few moments, again, not to over spiritualize it, but I'm like, this is literally the God 
people, like people didn't come up with this idea. I'm not going to give any spoilers away, mm. but I'm like, this was God's idea, not mm. us. And you see that in the movie a little bit. Mm. It's not a Christian film, folks. It's not, but <laughs> in case you're wondering. <laughs> I love the word folks. 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 I don't know if I've ever said that on Work Friends. Mm. Folks. Here it is now. Well, now the folks know. Now yeah. the folks know. <laughs> Well, anyway, we can get back to Isaac now. We've had our little tangent here. Um, yeah, we just want to like kind of rewind. So you mentioned it a little bit about um, like your old colony, but just what was your upbringing, upbringing like growing up like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that church was a big part of it. Um, yeah, like regular church attendance on Sunday morning. Um, we had these things on Friday nights uh, where we would go and the adults would honestly, we, the kids, we didn't care what the adults were doing. They were in the church and I think they were singing mostly is what they were doing. We were just outside ripping around. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like family, like immediate family, uh, was big, like extended family. Like I have a pile of cousins. And so we all, uh, were really good friends and they're still like pretty close. Um, at this point still, um, yeah, like I said, we kind of moved around a little bit. So I went to, I think four different schools between kindergarten and grade eight. Mm. Um, but then once, I think it was grade four or five when we moved to where mom and dad are still living. Um, and then, so there was a little more, yeah, I guess I would say the word stability, but it didn't feel like it wasn't stable. It just felt like it was the same Mm. for longer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like it was interesting, like learning, like we were just, I would say we were just men enough that we would have stood out. Um, and so there was a little bit of being annoyed by that as a kid. Cause you just want to be like everybody else. Also now in hindsight, I appreciate the things that I learned in those times. Hmm. Um, yeah, because it taught me a lot of good values. Like, like one thing that super annoyed me as a kid, like dad has a wood shop at home and, and we got to help out in the wood shop. Probably not near as much as what I think we did, <laughs> but it felt like we were there all the time right. and we likely weren't. Um, but, but something that's actually been shared with me um, since then is like, you know, at any, at any place of work that I've been to, been, like, especially as a teenager, they're like, you have work ethic, which if people know me, and know my family. I have the least work ethic of anyone in my family. Um, so for them to say that to me, I'm like, okay, those things that we learned growing up as kids, those values that were, you know, instilled in us, that, that matters. And that, that was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like throughout high school, like I didn't do like a, like a normal high school experience. That was something that, um, yeah, parents felt like it would be better if we went about that a different way. But there's a program at LDSS uh, called the case program. I think it's based alternative secondary education. Um, and so what that looked like for me is for grade nine and 10, we went to school two days a week and then we co-op the other day and then 11 and 12, we just went one day. Um, that's changed quite a bit since then. I think they've had to go a little bit more mainstream to make it a bit more fair, uh, to the, re- like to the mainstream kids. Um, but yeah, that's another thing that I would say annoyed me at the time, but looking back, was a great experience. And I'm super thankful that dad had enough, well, I think mom and dad, but it was really dad who was pushing it, had enough foresight to be like, I want my kids to have a high school experience because Mm I, or a high school education, because I know it matters, which to most people, they're like, well, of course you have high school education. Mm -hmm. Um, but growing 
a Mennonite. That wasn't the mm-hmm. norm at all. I think right. it is becoming more so now. Um, but I would say like me and both my older brothers, well, actually even my little brother, like we wouldn't have the jobs that we have now. If we wouldn't have been able to go to high school and get a mm-hmm. diploma. Yeah. And so in that, I'm super thankful that dad had enough foresight to be like, okay, mm-hmm. no, it is important. Um, we just need to go about it a little bit of a different way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a little bit about what growing up was like. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. So in all of this, uh, what did you decide to follow Jesus? Hmm. I would say that that faith was always something that my upbringing, that my life was centered around. It wasn't maybe something that was talked about a lot. And any time I would say that mom or dad would try to talk about it and be more intentional, we would push back as kids. Mm, mm-hmm. We'd be like, this isn't, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. Um, but it was always there. Like I remember like every night dad would go into our room and pray in German. And that was another thing. Like, I don't even know what this means, dad. Like what's going on here? But mm. there was, yeah, I think that there was definite value to that. Um, yeah. So I remember, I remember distinctly there was this time when I was laying in my bed as a teenager and I was praying and I know it's a bit of a cliche to, to be like, I just felt like I was talking to God, like I was talking to a friend kind of thing. But that experience was so real for me. And I don't know if I've ever felt it to that level since then, like ever before that and since then quite either. Um, but that was a forming experience for me. And I just feel like I couldn't stop mm-hmm. talking. Like I was like, God, I just want you to know everything. And that, and again, like that wasn't for me as a teenager like that wasn't something that I did um and so in that in that time of prayer I asked Jesus, I'm like okay if you like if we're gonna do this thing like I I want you to like live in me like be in my heart like just be my life um and so that was that was a pretty important experience for me and then a little bit later in life when I was thinking about getting baptized, I think I got baptized around 20, 21. Um, and the church I was going to at the time, they were having baptism classes and, uh, I was going to baptism classes, but I wasn't super sure if I actually wanted to get baptized. Um, and one by one, they would pull people out of the class to talk to the, like the, I don't know what it would be in English, but I guess that like main pastor, the lead pastor, like the elder, I don't know. Um, yeah. And I just sat down in there and it was him and his wife. And he's like, why do you want to get baptized? And I'm like, I don't know if I do. He's like, okay, well, where's your life at? Do you follow Jesus? And I was like, yeah, I feel like I follow Jesus. And I was like, you know, I'm not super open about my faith, but I know what matters. And, and I know that I want Jesus to be part of my, like the rest of my life. And he's like, I think the next step would be for you to ask Jesus into your heart. And I'm like, then I thought back to that time of when I was a teenager and I was like, I think I've done that. He's like, okay, then I think you're ready to be baptized if you want to be. And so through that experience, I did get baptized. And in those classes, it was, I remember I, I was hearing things and I wasn't hearing them for the first time by any Mm -hmm. means, but like, I remember the testimony that I shared um, because that was one of the things is we all had to like share a testimony like live um, in front of the whole church. And one of the things I shared in that was like, I've heard these stories before, 
but to hear it now again that Jesus died literally for me. Like, it's not like, oh, a nice cushy feeling, but that's actually what he had to do in order for me to have a life fulfilled in Christ. Um, And that just different, I would say. And then through that, there's a lot of other pieces to that story. Through that is kind of where I would say my faith really Mm. began get real. Mm. Mm. Hmm. That's cool. I'm learning new things about you today. This is fun. Mm. Yeah. That's really neat. Um, yeah, especially that perspective of like, you know, I didn't really fully understand these things or even like didn't like them as a young person. And yet I look back and I'm like, wow, God was doing a cool thing through that. That's yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Um, what would you say are three of the most forming experiences in your life? Hmm. Um. Yeah, like I alluded to a little while when I said I would like to have dinner with my ex-wife. That probably means I have an ex-wife. Mm. Um, so I would say that like the separation and divorce period would have been one of the main times when um, my faith got even more real. Um, mm. Yeah, so like we we got married, I think it was in 2015. I think I was 22 years old. Um, and then separated, I would say, I think like late 2018, early 2019-ish is when that would have happened. So it wasn't super, super long. Um, it's interesting what happens to you when when you lose something that you never, ever think you're going to lose. Mm. And I don't know that I've that I've ever held on super, super tight to like a dream that I have of like, I'm going to be, um, whatever, like I'm going to be an NHL player or I'm going to travel the world and be a missionary or anything like that. Like I've just always kind of had the idea of, I just want a normal life. I want a relationship like, you know, my parents have, like, I just, I want to be married and I want to have kids one day and, and, and go to work and that is going to be my life. And that's what I want. And, mm-hmm. and in that, I would say I took that pretty for granted in, in that idea of, and again, like growing up Mennonite, like divorce just really didn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was never something that, that, that crossed my mind. Um, even in the most challenging times in our relationship, I would say that was never something that crossed my mind that that could happen. Um, and so then when it, when it did happen, I would say that that really formed who I am now because it was like, okay, wasn't expecting that. Mm. Now what? Right? Like, is my life a waste now? Or Jesus, can you restore this? Mm-hmm. Right? And whether that would be like restoring that relationship or just restoring um, my heart and my life, um, I would say that those are, um, that is definitely one of the most forming experiences for me. And actually something, as I was preparing for this podcast, I was going through things and I found a letter in my, in my computer that I had wrote, I think over a year ago, um, or I don't put so much a letter or just, yeah, putting thoughts on paper that never, I didn't end up doing anything with. And I was just going over that. I kind of forgot about it. And one thing that I wrote in there, and it was, it's interesting how looking back, um, you have thoughts that are like, oh, wow, that's what I was feeling. Mm. Um, but one of the things that I wrote in there and I want to share here is, 
is I said, being in those times of emptiness and feeling alone is when I've learned the most about God. Those are the times when you truly realize God is enough. If all you ever have in this life is a relationship with the one who made you, then that is a life worth living. And so I would say that in that season, I learned that that's true. And I'm continuing to learn that. So yeah, just that, that experience, I would say definitely for me. And then the next thing I would say is like this, the, the, the season that came after that, which was a season of, of singleness, right? Which is like, okay, I didn't maybe know consciously how much I was holding on to that dream of like being a husband and being a father, mm-hmm. but it's like, okay, now that that isn't happening or it isn't happening right now, um, now what? Right. And so like learning, learning who I am and who Jesus says I am versus what your society tells me or what I in my own head, I'm like, this is what makes you a man. Mm. Right. This is what makes your life meaningful. Um, and so when, when I now know, like I no longer had those things or no longer had, uh, I wouldn't say I didn't have hope for them, but at least that changed, right? Like how that maybe come about definitely has changed. Um, yeah, I would say that that has been a space where I have had to really press into the Bible and like press into who Jesus says I am versus trying to find meaning and purpose in the world. I tried, but I failed. Shocker. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that I would say would be another one. And then the third thing I got to say, like the forming experiences would be serving, like serving in in youth ministry at church. Uh, So I'm a senior youth leader Um, at the church I attend. Serving here like at drop-in has been just unbelievable. Like I... I used to very much be somebody who would judge people from like shreds of information and was proud of Mm. how often I felt like I was right. Mm. Um, And that is something that has changed a lot in my heart and is continuing to change. Like there's still times where I'm like, I really think I'm like, Oh, Nope. What does Jesus think about that person? How does Mm. Jesus view that person? Right. It's not about what I think and how smart I think I am. It's about how does Jesus, Jesus see them. Um, and so I would say in those experiences of serving, I have become um, so much more empathetic and gentle and like willing to listen and able to understand where people are coming from. Um, yeah, it is crazy how God has changed my heart in those, in those areas, I would say. And I actually, I think about, I think about a time, so, so kind of throughout my, my separation and my, and my divorce, I, I stepped back from quite a few things um, just because I felt like, you know, I think I need to remove myself from a few things here and kind of, yeah, be intentional in certain areas and not, um, yeah, I just felt like it was wise to step back. Um, but one thing that I never stepped back from was serving here at the drop-in center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a conversation that I had with Mel, um, who like kind of runs the, the drum cycle. I had a conversation with her sort of after the fact. And I was like, well, thank you so much for allowing me to come here in the midst of my absolute brokenness, but to still be able to come here and serve. Mm. And I'll never forget what she said. She just looked at me the way that Mel looks at people. <laughs> and she's like, hmm. 
Isaac, we can use brokenness. Mm. Jesus can use brokenness. And I was like, wow. That, that was incredible. And so I've been so blessed in those, in those ways to be able to, to serve and have God work in me. Mm. Um, yeah, in those areas. And like another thing, I'm just going to keep talking until you end me. Love it. Um, we love it. It also brings me back to like that, the prayer of St. Francis, which I'm sure Kevin Nethercott has Heck shared yeah. with all of you guys. <laughs> uh, such a great man. Um, yeah. And, and, and part of that prayer is like, oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be love as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Mm. That is so true. It's, it's incredible what can happen when, even if you feel like your life is a complete mess, it's incredible what can happen when you allow God to work in you in ways. And one of those ways is to go out and serve, right? Serve his children, serve his, his people. Um, it's, it's such a great way, I think, to, yeah, just restore hearts mm. and lives. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's so funny that you bring that. I remember one of the first times that you came, I think Carter brought you. Like, this is my friend Isaac. He's here to check, dropping out. Like, cool. Hey, Isaac, whatever. But I remember, I remember you saying that to... Um, I don't know if I overheard or if you said it to the group, but like you thanked our team for allowing you to be here. Like you said something very similar to what you said to Mel. Mm. And I think that was one of the first times where I was really struck on like, whoa, like Angel and I do this for a job, like at YFC, it's part of our job, but for a drop-in team specifically, like it really is like a family because it's Christ's body coming together to serve Mm. and specifically serve the students and, and youth in our community who are, a lot of them really wrestling with a lot of things. But yeah, when you said that, I'm like, whoa, it was such a good reminder for me of just like an expanded vert. Yeah. Like, yeah, church important, but like where two or more are gathered like, there, I will be also mm-hmm. right. Like this right here is the church right now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, when you shared that, that really was a good reminder for me that it's not just like, yeah, we see each other mostly at drop in whatever, mm-hmm. but it is really about doing life together as people who love Jesus and people who care about each other. Um, so thank you for, number, thank you for sharing that, but also too, I just thank you so much for, um, yeah, your openness as you have wrestled with a lot of different things. And again, some conversations not meant to be recorded. Some things are just meant for us and God. I, I really believe that. Um, but it's been really encouraging and challenging for me to see you walk with Jesus through these really hard things throughout the last few years. So thank you because mm. I've personally been impacted. Um, yeah. What you wrote there in your journal or letter, like hard seasons lead us into deeper relationship with Jesus. Like <laughs> that's really hard. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> like freaking hard. And it's actually like one of our questions of like, how has this been true for you? But you already touched on that. But um, I'm just wondering, could you just talk to people? Like I know, a lot of people right now who, whether it's coming out of COVID and wrestling with loneliness or they themselves have walked through divorce and, and what that's been like, 
the like the ripple effects, what that means for church and community and, and those things. Can you just um, maybe share a little bit of what some challenging things were for you as you walked, maybe specifically with community mm. um, after your separation and then just things that were encouraging for you whether um in the ways in the things that you did or things that other people did for you in that in that season Hmm. yeah I would say that in that season I was and continue to be so blessed having great people around me Hmm. you know like I remember that there was there was a season where I was kind of still walking through that like early stages of separation it was like people were kind of beginning to find out because I couldn't mm-hmm. hide it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I did then, I was like, I'm not going to church. Like, there's no way I'm going to church. Like, I know if I go to church, I'm just going to call my eyes out every time I'm there. I don't want people to ask questions. I don't. So I'm like, I'm just not going to go. And then I have a friend, Kevin Gingrich. <laughs> Shout out to Kevy G. He <laughs> just was quiet and he listened to me and he listened to my whole plan. And he was like, okay. And then what? Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up, Kevin. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, that's right. That's not sustainable. Mm. So I think it's, it's, if you can find, if you're going through, through hard seasons in life, if you can find people who, who challenge you, like who listen to you, like, cause if they, all they do is challenge you, that's not welcoming and you're going to feel attacked. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so if you can find people who, who will, listen to you. And I would say, don't pour everything all on one person, right? Like we shouldn't Mm. put all on one person, what only Jesus can handle. Like first Mm. and foremost, go to God. Um, because it's like, okay, you, you might feel like you've been rejected by one person. Well, Jesus was rejected by literally everybody when he was on the cross. Mm. So for you to say, oh, well, he was never divorced. He doesn't know what this is like. Um, no, he gets it Mm. times a million. Um, so I would say that would be my main encouragement, but yeah, also, surround yourself around people who, who love you and, and will, will challenge you in ways. Um, I remember there was also a season where I felt like I couldn't take communion. Like at church, I was like, you know, God, I know that separation and divorce isn't, isn't your will. It isn't of you. Um, Mm. and I felt like just like covered in sin. Um, Mm. and it was actually another friend of mine, uh, Carter, who noticed that and very gently asked about why I felt like that was necessary. Um, so through that conversation and prayer after that, I kind of felt like, okay, maybe I am, maybe I'm okay to like take part in communion. again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to be in a place where you feel like the world is crumbling. And this isn't just speaking about that scenario. It's like, mm-hmm. Any situation, mm-hmm. it's very easy to feel that way. It's, it's hard to be in that situation and feel like, oh, I'm going to look back on this someday as a time when Jesus was really working in me, which if you open yourself up to Christ, you will. But that isn't the point right now, right? Right mm-hmm. now, it's like I, w- I would encourage people, like there's going to be days where you just exist, where you just get through that day. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you made that day your beep. <laughs> um, and that's okay. It's okay. You're a warrior. Like, get out there. Like, if you just existed and weren't horrible to people, that's unbelievable. Like, I think there's a quote somewhere. I have no idea where I read it. Where it says, like, 
if you can, if you can go through things that are incredibly hard and come out of that being a gentle person, you are the strongest person in the world. Like you're the strongest kind of person in the world. Um, because the things that seem weak to the world are actually what takes the most strength to do, Mm. right? Like if you're, if you're in a situation where, um, yeah, you feel like you don't have a whole lot of control over what's happening. Um, but you feel God, God calling you to be like, okay, just take a season, do your thing. Don't make any huge drastic life decisions to the world that looks like you're just laying down Mm. and being like, Oh wow, they're so weak. But actually the easy thing to do is to pretend to move on and try and fill that whole other things that the world has to offer. But that isn't God's, you're not going to find God in that, in that way. And also that isn't, that isn't the easy thing to do. Like that's actually the hardest thing in the world to do. Mm. So I would, I would just encourage people in that. Like if you're, if you're allowing God to work in the absolute rawness that is like that pain and that suffering and that grief, man, you are, you're an incredible person. Mm. Like that takes so much strength and that's just unreal. Mm. So good. Oh, there it is. You've got a few. Yes, I got the hmms. Now I got the so good. I'm trying to think if there's anything else off the old checklist that I need to get. Are you guys ready to post me more stickers before we start recording? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Looking around all the things that have happened in your life, what do you treasure the most about God? I would say what I treasure most about God. There's a lot of things. So I'm just going to say a bunch of things <laughs> is like the staying power that God has. Mm. Like even when we feel like we're at our deepest and darkest, like most, whether we feel like we're at our most sinful stage that we've ever been in or like the most out of control life is just crumbling. Like God is there and it might not seem like it all the time, but he is. Mm. And that to me is so encouraging. And I love that so much about God because it's like, I'm not perfect. Like no matter how much or how often I stray from God and that can look differently now than it would have five years ago. Right. Still like it could be like straying from God for me now can look like just spending a day and being like, and and, you know, in a certain way and being like, Oh, actually, I don't know if that day was the best. I don't know if that was like what God had for me that day. Or even like if I just say something and it's like, Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's maybe what God would have had me say there. Um, In those moments, I can always come back to God. You can always, like, that. that's something that will literally never change. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, has been so, so important to feel feel like God will always be there. Another thing I would say is, is, like, how impossible he is to grasp like the, the mystery of mm-hmm. God and the, the, the backwardsness, is that a word? Backwardness? It is not. I'm English second language. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> what? Go on. Backwardness of God. Backwardness of God. Sorry, it just threw me off. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah, is, is unbelievable. Like you look at, you look at stories in the Bible of how Jesus, did things and how the early Christians did things that didn't make sense mm. to the 
to the people in that time and still don't make sense to us in society. Um, you know, I love that Christianity is like, and this isn't something that came from my brain. This is something I heard once. I think Tim Keller, maybe. Um, Christianity is the only religion where you can say, I know that I'm saved and not have that be like a, a self-righteous thing to say. Because it's like, okay, I know that I'm saved, but it has literally nothing to do with what I've done. Like mm-hmm. I've, mm-hmm. I've accepted the call to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And from that, changes in my life have started to occur. Mm-hmm. But I didn't make changes in my life so that I could then accept Jesus and be good enough. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that doesn't make sense. That's backwards. And I think of it, yeah, like times in the Bible where Jesus is like, he who is without sin can cast the first stone or, um, you know, just last Sunday when I was leading like a little Devo thing for the, for the, um, volunteers for Sunday morning, um, I shared a scripture about how Jesus views the Sabbath. And I think it's in Mark somewhere where Jesus healed the hand of a man on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are like watching him to be like, Hmm, like, what's he going to do? If he does it, we're going to say that he's working on the Sabbath and Jesus puts the man in front of all the Pharisees. It's like, is the Sabbath a day for doing good or is it a day for doing evil? Like to have such incredible wisdom and, and just to be able to do things in a way that make no sense to us yet. Logically you can have a logical argument about why the gospel makes sense. Mm. And yet there's so much about, it that makes no sense, which almost makes it have to be true because it couldn't have come from people because mm. we're not that smart. <laughs> so I would say that those are some of the things that I treasure most about God. And just the fact that the more you press in, like you just, you never stop learning and being amazed. And yeah, there are seasons that we all experience where it seems like it's dry. And so mm. if you're going through a season like that, don't feel like oh, I'm not a real Christian because this guy's like, wow, he learned something new every time he reads the Bible. That is always the case. Mm. Um, but if you, if you're in a season where you've really opened yourself up and you're just hungry for scripture, um, and to learn more about God and whatever that looks like, whether it's reading the Bible or listening to the Bible as you're driving around, or even like listening to godly podcast, like there's no replacement for the Bible. Um, but I get a lot out of listening to this podcast, right. And hearing the stories of you guys and of other believers. Um, and I listen to a lot of like Tim Keller sermons and there's a lot of good there that you can learn about, about oh. Jesus. And so I would just encourage in any way that you can take that in, just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> two go. for two, each for a friend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate that because it's very, um, yeah, like sometimes we can just over spiritual, just pray more, mm. just do this more. And it's like, there's a striving that comes with that. And there are seasons like we need to date like right now quiet time is gonna be is right now for me something that is part of my routine and I know I need to do it and I know that it's good for me and I know that if I don't do it that things are not gonna go too well but like there are just seasons where you need to do what you know you need to do in order to take care of yourself connecting with God and all these things um but that's not every season that's like very well did you hear that <laughs> A throat bubble thing. <laughs> no. Did you see that? Hear that at all? Not really. Oh, no. Okay. Anyways, You're getting it all here, folks. <laughs> right? Yeah. This is the real look at the work friends. No. Anyways, I appreciate what you said. It's just very. Mm. It's 
yeah, it's just real. Um, okay, so for you right now, how is God forming you in this season right now? We've done a lot of reflecting and a lot of remembering, but um, yeah, how is he growing you right now? Mm-hmm. I would say that right now God is is calling me to trust him even more. And like, mm-hmm. not just most parts of my life, but like everything. Mm-hmm. And and that's been that's been challenging, you know, to not just open up, you know, my relationships to him or, or how I view people, um, how I spend my time. But like, you know, I feel like God is calling me to be like, okay, I need you to put all your faith in me, mm-hmm. like not in your abilities, not in the job that you have, which is providing, you know, your day-to-day needs, not in your, like my body working like it's supposed to, like just faith in mm-hmm. God. And that super hard to do, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's where God is calling me to, to really just give up um, any of my own understanding. It's actually, it's interesting. I, um, I play on a church league, uh, three pitch team. Um, and the first year we had the team, they had us make jerseys. And instead of having numbers on the back of the Jersey, we just put like our favorite Bible verse. And this was, oh man, it's gotta be six years ago. I think it's six years ago. Um, and the verse that I put on was Proverbs three, five, where it's like, you know, trust in the Lord with your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I had no idea what that meant when I put that on my shirt. <laughs> and I hope that six years from now, I'm like, when I was on that podcast, I had no idea what that verse meant. <laughs> like, I hope that I just continue mm-hmm. going in that. But, mm-hmm. but it's crazy how God can use something that I, you know, was clearly on my heart enough to think of it, to put on a shirt, you know, years ago and have that be like a core scripture now mm-hmm. for how he's asking me to live my life, mm-hmm. which is to just give up all control and just trust in him fully and know that he has a plan. And it's been so, one of the things that's been really comforting in that is I've learned that as things continue to change for me in my life, it's like, I've been reminded by people who love God that like, okay, you maybe didn't see this one coming, but this is a surprise to God. Mm -hmm. God had a good plan for you and you believed that before this happened. Mm -hmm. And now it happened, but God still has a good plan for you. Like God knew this would be a thing and yet he had a good plan for you. Mm. Right. And so to really press into that and be like, okay, I don't know what your plan is really, but let's just do this thing, which sucks and is terrifying. <laughs> and I'm still learning yeah. in that. I'm definitely not perfect in that, but yeah. yeah, I would say that God is forming me in that way. And also to like learn when to say yes and to say no. Um, it's all just like trying to figure out what God's will is and what God's plan for me mm. it's something mm. I feel like has been on my heart lately mm. just to mm. give give things up yeah mm-hmm. were you gonna say so good again no oh man no hard but good <laughs> <laughs> there's a third check mark eh <laughs> Unreal. oh thank you so much mm. this is just I mean again like I think that you've you've definitely expressed of like this isn't me this is God like mm. and it has to be God and yet like you choosing to follow Jesus and allowing him to work, like to allow him to work in the pieces of life that just suck. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no sugarcoating the experiences, right? Like mm-hmm. can't be like, well, it wasn't actually, no, it was bad. Mm-hmm. No, it, right? yeah, it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. And yet to allow God to say, you know what? Like I will trust you enough to let you mm-hmm. 
use this and form me in this and continue to and know that there's like so much more it it's it yeah it is hard but good and your willingness to Mm. to actually share that with people too I think is just um beautiful because it's not always easy to share about the things especially the things that we're not we weren't that excited about when Mm. they happen right Mm -hmm. um but it's beautiful so thank you and uh last question which you've heard before and that is what is the best piece of advice you've been given I feel like we're flying through this thing. Yeah. Wow. Killing it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The best piece of advice I've been given was shared with me. I'll even give him credit. Carter White. Yes, Carter. Good guy. (laughs) Wow, Carter. You must be super popular. (laughs) He is. Great guy. You don't know Carter. You should get to know Carter. Um, We were in the middle of a conversation, and it was something that I was passionate about. And... At the end of that, I wasn't super proud of how I was speaking. And he's like, have you ever said those things in front of somebody who's going through that? I was like, no. He's like, you know that? I'm like, huh. No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he said, you know, something that I have found to be helpful is to, in every conversation and everything you do, Always be as gentle as you can. And that sounds simple. Literally has changed my life. Mm. Like the amount of times in the first, I'd say like six, and I'm still learning that. Um, <clears throat> but I'd say like the, in the first six months of me hearing that, the amount of times that I began a, a sentence and stopped myself, it was like, is this as gently as I could put this? And I mean, I, I know that there are times where we're not called to be super crazy gentle, like all the time, but for the most part, it's a solid rule. Like, I don't know that it's very often that you're going to regret or think back and be like, I was too gentle there. That mm-hmm. I don't think is the case for a lot of us. So yeah. um, I would say that that has been the best piece of advice that I ever received. And yeah, I seriously changed my life. It was unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. Go Carter. Carter. Good guy, that Carter. Yeah. yeah. He's all right. Mm, yeah, we'll keep him. <laughs> we'll keep him. Yeah. Thanks so much. Mm. Thanks for being our work friend and real friend, for real. And um, yeah, again, I'm just so thankful that you have been a part of our community here at YC. And just, yeah, you just like open hands and mm-hmm. you give it to Jesus. And that has been an encouragement to us. And I know it's going to be an encouragement and challenge to the people listening to this. So thank you. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing what you guys do. It's incredible. There are so many people who are blessed by what you guys put out every week and the work that you do. So it's awesome. I'm honored to be a part of it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the combo as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up every Monday and you won't want to miss them. So subscribe and follow on whatever podcast platform you're using. Tune in next Monday for another conversation. If you want more resources, info, and other things shared, we have uh, social media. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Just Work Friends and follow us there for more content. So until next Monday. Bye-bye.
That was very country. Bye-bye, y'all. Folks. <laughs> folks. See you later, folks. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs>